Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkel. Each episode, we choose a different expert to share the latest and greatest in digital marketing trends. Today, we're interviewing Sergio Barrientos and Mike Liu about Metaverse and Web3. All right, let's get to it. I'm Gaia Reed, And I'm Andrea McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Welcome back to Digital Marketing Musings Season 2. Today, we're joined by Sergio and Mike to talk about the metaverse and Web3. Sergio Barrientos is the SVP of Cultural Fluency at Densu. Uh, so he sits at a fusion between multicultural marketing and applied insights for brand strategies and incorporating new trends into this world. Michael Liu is the head of innovation for Densu, focused on many of the Kara clients currently. His role is helping brands anticipate and plan for their future consumers, including topics around Metaverse and Web3. This episode continues our gaming series. Um, Today, we are touching on some topics that we've purposefully sectioned out of our initial gaming episodes, specifically around Web3 and the Metaverse. We have two episodes on this topic. The first from a few weeks ago touched on really what Metaverse and Web3 are. And then today's episode really focuses on what brands should be thinking about in this space. So starting off, um, could you all talk about how we are seeing advertisers or brands respond to Web3 and Metaverse in terms of how they could or already are getting involved in this new landscape? The way I like to see it is that uh, because the Metaverse is a future state of the internet, all this, the, the customers are their journeys are changing. Like in the near future, we need to think about physical, digital, and virtual all together. So you're going to start thinking on spatial design, on augmented reality or virtual worlds and doing things like that. So it's all about experimentation of this new combination of things and try to pick a role of how you want to play it as a brand. You want to be an enabler who provide access to cool things happening in that space, or you want to become a participant who crafts their own narrative and design new consumer touch points previously unknown. That's a little bit of the, the game we are about to play. Yeah. And and if, if brands are looking at the metaverse as sort of like they would as experiential marketing, but just in a dig- digital realm, like we've seen brands host concerts um, in the metaverse, um, I'd love to even just kind of broadly discuss the definition of metaverse again. I, I know that we've kind of touched upon it and we've always just kind of talked about it as this virtual worlds. But, you know, as Sergio was talking about how uh, VR goggles and having this deep immersion and even haptic gloves coming from meta at some point, you know, the metaverse to them is full immersion, full body presence, things like that, right? You put on the Oculus goggles they own, they're developing haptic gloves that that allow you to kind of interact within these spaces and it's transporting you to a different place. We're very in, 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 in talks with Niantic as well. And if you look at what they've done in over the past couple of years, especially most recently of, of allowing Lightship, uh, which is their their platform and technology that allows them to create games like Pokemon Go. So Niantic is the is the creator of Pokemon Go. To them, a metaverse is is a layer on top of our physical world. And so you look at it through a phone currently, but soon enough, it'll be through a glasses. Soon enough, it'll be through a contact lens. And so for them, a metaverse is just augmenting the world that we live in. 
And then you, and then Epic Games obviously has their metaverse raised a billion dollars uh, last year to kind of build out their vision of the metaverse. And so it's all predicated around the, their game engine and how people are playing within these games and having so much IP in these places. And so again, the metaverse defined by so many different people in different ways. But again, like if we just get to this, this principle of a new way for us to connect with each other and a new way for brands to provide value in this space, I think that's sort of the lens that we should be taking. I mean, to some people, um, the, the metaverse could, is like the internet as we speak. It is a, it is a protocol that's open source, decentralized. Nobody owns the internet, right? It's a code that people can sort of enter in as they please. But people theorize that this is the metaverse, right? The internet is connecting us in our own different virtual worlds. And the protocol is the internet right now. And so no matter how you slice it, you know, and no matter how you want to talk about it, I, I think it's just an interesting way to, to think about how much we're spending in this virtual world and the digital space in general, this call itself is, is, is a prime example of that. So the metaverse could be the internet, the internet. It could be a virtual space that we have to use goggles to do or glasses to, to augment our, our, our vision and layer on top of our real world or a game engine itself. So when we talk about metaverse, it is this broad overarching view of all of these different types of places that could eventually interact, most likely not anytime soon, but eventually perhaps soon. Um, in the future, I should say. And I think that that was a concept until uh, Zuckerberg renamed the company Meta. So that's why everybody's calling it Web3 now. <laughs> mm, got it. Right. It was got like it. cryptocurrency, you know, back in the day was like, oh yeah. man, it's all about the black market and illegal activity. Okay, cool. Let's rebrand <laughs> cryptocurrency to blockchain. Oh, yes. blockchain is too confusing, too technical. Okay, cool. Let's talk about metaverse. All right, now Zuckerberg. Okay, now let's talk about Web3. So it's just... Everything is just kind of being rebranded, but it's, and it's okay, right? It, it's this, it's this wrapper that we need yeah. to put around a certain complex theme and this complex idea um, that allows us to talk about this in a critical way uh, as a consumer, as well as brands and, and institutions. So this is actually bringing up an interesting idea around like per- perception and, and senses. Sergio, it sounds like you may have some thoughts uh, when we're talking offline about this. Would you Would you mind sharing? Yes. Uh, I think there are different levels of immersion because this is an immersive world, but it depends on the interface you're using. If you're in a desktop or laptop, you're a phone or you're in VR goggles, there are different levels of how involved your senses and your attention is. And the image and audio are the most common sensory interactions in these worlds because they are worse through screens, basically. Even in a VR goggle, you're inside a screen. It's, a, it's an immersive screen, but it's a screen at the end. But uh, how about touch, taste, smell? Mm-hmm. And those, exactly. are, those are the hard ones due to the real body presence required. So I think that's the ones that, that, that are more interesting to see how it unfolds. There's no solutions here, but there are a lot of experiments with devices and scent cartridges to reproduce certain smells, creating what it's called olfactory virtual reality and things like that. That is, is fascinating how these brands are doing it. And then you have the, the uniforms and the gear to feel the haptics, to, to feel that sense of touch. And, and, mm. and even, I don't know, Mike, you have an example of, feeling pain how was that one yeah oh no it's just it, you know th- there's a japanese company that just released a wristband that allows you it, it does like a little shock therapy on you <laughs> like a little ah, you know if you okay. touch something but they're 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 messing around with certain 
ways of haptics or shocks that might be associated to like touching something or something pricking you or grabbing something. So it's just more of an experiment. And we've seen haptic vests before being released in the past couple of years of bringing more presence, as Sergio was saying, like that's a big, big part of of the future of um, interacting in these virtual worlds is how do you fully immerse yourself into it? And, and a lot of that's presence. And so having some sort of mm-hmm. feedback um, to your body, if you're hugging someone, if you're getting hit in the game or if you fall down or, you know, feeling some, maybe it's like cooling sensation if you're in a cold area in in a metaverse or in a game. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of those technologies that we've seen in the past that kind of look like kitschy and very robotic are coming back into the fold, but like with more, with more purpose of trying to um, attach our senses to presence inside these virtual worlds. Yeah. There was this, uh, this example of uh of a uniform combined with the lenses and it had something with a scent cartridge in your nose. So you see a, a fire pit and when you get closer, the, the, the uniform gets warmer. So you feel the warmth of the fire and you start smelling. You listen to the cracking of the logs and you can see the fire when you get closer. So that's a, that's a presence building that they're working on. I was just, I was just going to say, like, this seems like the perfect position for yankee candle to make some sort of like scent pod for you oh, to experience yeah. Oh, yeah. everything as you're transitioning rooms or whatever yankee candle hit us up and, yeah, <laughs> we will we'll tag them in in this episode it feels like some mainstream brands are investing in in gaming in the metaverse today as like a a small, almost like side piece of income that they that wouldn't really like amount to that much. Like uh, we're thinking of, you know, the examples of a luxury car company that's creating um, like a version of a, a high end vehicle as like an option to purchase in a digital world. And maybe it's even like at the exact same price as a lower end car company, like selling their car in the same world. So how, especially when it comes to like pricing uh, from like a luxury or low end thought process, like how does that or how should brands be like thinking about that when like putting themselves in the metaverse versus the real world? Uh, You need to demonstrate the potential value somehow, right? Like find the audience or the opportunity to bring that community together and establish that brand presence, Uh, engage with them. and identify problems to solve. If it's about selling a car, at this stage of the game, I think it's, again, willingness to pay, but you are creating catalysts to see how value can be created. So maybe the car is a, is a nice way to provide some utility. So maybe that car is interoperable with other platforms and you, because you have that car, you got to go to five metaverses and you start that evolution to interoperability. Or maybe that car, has certain features that won't be possible without that car inside the, the virtual world you're in. For example, carrying other people, like it's an SUV that you can bring more avatars inside, and inside that car you can have some special experience that you can share with the friends that you have in, in the car. Pricing, that's another question. <laughs> yeah, I think pricing is a little sensitive here because we're at a stage where brands, especially if they move in the space this early on, if it's seen as a money grab to the community, it will be called out, right? And I think brands should be approaching this space with caution and respect to the community and understanding that, uh, as Sergio was saying, like potential value 
is what this market is has been kind of been driven on. And there's so many failed experiments, failed NFTs, failed metaverse projects off of potential value. And that's why it's getting such a bad rap because there's so many projects that launch but don't seem to finish. Or there's so many projects that have a roadmap, but that roadmap is never even, you know, touched, right? So how does a brand, an established company enter the space is to actually have value on day one. Don't tell me that in like five years, you might you might be able to use this car into this game. Tell me today what it's doing. And it doesn't have to be in the virtual space. It can unlock something in the physical space, right? Like something that mm-hmm. I buy in the virtual space could give me access to test drive this new car um, before anybody even, like before the press even sees it, right? This This virtual NFT of this can give me only a certain colorway of this car ever created one out of a thousand, right? So like, show me the value today. Don't theorize on what the potential value will be because then you will get called out, especially if you're charging a lot of money. A lot of brands are doing this for very small amounts, if not free. Again, trying to see how the community takes to it and tries to see what their role is in this space. You know, it it could be something like a digital asset for a metaverse. It could be an AR lens. It could be a wearable that you can put on as a filter and then be able to post on your social media. Whatever that is, you need to define that up front and not see this as a potential revenue opportunity right now. It could be later on, but, you know, you'll be called out if if it's something that seems too, too ambitious and disrespectful to the community. I see this as a new toolbox to build relationships between brands and their clients. Because uh, as Mike was saying, let's unlock things in real life and vice versa. Maybe maybe you don't buy it with money or with a cryptocurrency. You buy with uh, my reward points because you're a loyal customer. Now you have access to these things in the metaverse and vice versa. Unlock Because you have this NFT here, you can unlock experiences and things that are exclusive to those people. Maybe the, the test drives in a racetrack day or things like that are really special and different and unique. And that scarcity can play in both worlds. So it's a question of access, access to exclusive, exclusive experiences. Just a reality check us, like at Merkle, we have quite a few clients who are really actively undergoing transformation projects to really even catch up to where they should be or maybe where their peer set is in Web2. How achievable is getting involved in or transitioning onto Web3 and the metaverse going to be for your average brand as you know it develops over the next three to five years? I believe that if there are currently in a transformation mindset, it will be easier to expand that into new touch points that can add the coverage of customer interactions, hence Web3. can be the next step on the current journey, right? For example, if they're onboarding a full e-commerce platform, add some virtual showroom or uh, extend the reality spaces to promote and showcase those products. Build some demos and utility in these worlds. And they also can have some virtual events or product concepts in the, in the metaverse. These are experiments that will allow them to move forward. So I think it's a right mindset to onboard them. Yeah. And especially if they're going through like, let's just say like digital transformation or getting their CRM up to snuff. I wonder how they feel about doing that now versus doing it 10 years ago or five years ago for that matter. And so, you know, I, I think there's there's many reasons for, for, for why, right? There's many, many reasons. So the same the same mindset to have of, should you be transferring your whole business for Web3? Absolutely not. 
at this stage. Like it's it's very risky if you want to if you want to take that on. But absolutely, yes, you should be experimenting, and you should be at least set, setting a foundation and the process internally to be learning about this place. And whether it's learning by reading, but I think the best is learning by doing. So, you know, do you have your domain set up? Do you have your trademarks filed? Do you have uh, your wallet set up? Does anybody on the marketing team or the operational legal finance team actually have a crypto wallet set up to go through the space um, or the the process of like how to do it and like what does a consumer interact with and, and those steps along the way. I think that's that's more important right now than thinking about how do we transfer our business into Web3. Um, I think it, as stewards, brand stewards on behalf of, of the clients, it's, you know, it, it would be irresponsible to say, yes, drop everything and, and start coding in Solidity and like coding for blockchain right now. I think you should be doing that in little pockets. But, you know, make sure that your business is still afloat and make sure you're still getting the basics down of Web 2. But if there's if there's little if there's little hops to go into Web 3 by skipping Web 2, that could be cool. Like there, there could be instances where you want to um, build out things, as, as Sergio was saying, like maybe build out these really cool showrooms that you can have um, instead of having to go through like this Web 2 version. Maybe you go through Web 3, you know, and there's there's things that you can be doing on the brand side right now that doesn't risk everything by swap, swapping over the whole transformation. As our listeners kind of like leave these episodes, are there main pieces of advice or things that you really want them to think about as they are kind of starting this journey in in the metaverse and Web3? Yeah, just sort of dovetailing off of the last comment of learn by doing is probably the best way to do so. You can't truly understand this community. This is such a special community to be a part of in the Web3 blockchain crypto space that hey, go out there and, and start to experiment on your own. Also, try to look past some of these sensational headlines. Um, try to look past all the things that are uh, being touted as like the problems, albeit they're very valid, valid issues in this space. But there are ways to fix some of these things. And it's, again, such a new technology. So try to look for those glimmers of like, oh, potential of, these are things that could work out for a brand. And these are really interesting things that people are thinking about because these rules are being written right now and these experiments are being done to sort of define it. So the things that are being done today are probably not the ways that things are going to be done in the next year um, or they or they might be, but they're building a foundation. So um, look past the sensational headlines of like things selling for millions and millions of dollars and think that the same thing is going to apply to your brand or your drop or whatever your strategy is. And also look at all the things that are that are, that are issues such as like climate change and the, and the carbon footprint impact that you have from blockchains. There are many blockchains that have been built and things that are being fixed today to make uh, a transaction on a blockchain as impactful of a carbon footprint of sending an email or doing a Google search. So, you know, that's me all day. So I've got like dozens of the of these every day of me searching for things or sending emails and receiving emails. And so there, there are great platforms and chains that are being that are being built today to address that. So um, give it time, give it some patience and have some grace on 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 this space because um, it'll be important to see how this grows. But the the criticism is real and the criticism is necessary to for it to actually grow in the right positive direction. And as a strategist, I think I need to add that brand can brands can simplify the process by focusing first uh, where they can add the most value. This means developing initiatives that tap into who their customers are and how they want to be seen, their identity, right? What they buy, what do they buy, and how they signal status, ownership. And then how they connect with their tribe, that community. 
as the metaverse sparks another shift in consumer behavior, breakthrough brands will need to learn from the past to lead the future. So that's, uh, I think, the, the, the way to move forward and to really consider strategies to, to incorporate metaverse in your ecosystem. This brings us to the end of this episode of Digital Marketing Musings. If you have an idea for an episode for our 2022 season, we would love to hear it. Just drop us a note at digitalmarketingmusings at merklink.com. And of course, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and rate and review us. It helps others find our show. And of course, please be sure to tell a friend. This episode was produced by Merkel with sound and video editing by Craig Zagurski. Our team includes copywriting by Melissa Riley, graphic design by Garrett Rubel, website support by Ted Lonzak, and social media and promotion by Gina Astrop and Andrea Ratner. Tune in over the next month as we continue our gaming series with episodes on gaming creative, NFTs, gaming for good, and many other topics. And until next time, I'm Andrea McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye.